Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, my name is Otto. I'm one of the church family here. I'm going to be hosting this uh, Sunday's testimonial service. Uh, when David asked me to, to do this, uh, I prayed for uh, a fair few days that, that uh, how should I do this? And one thing came to mind. It's a call to action to all of you is that why the world needs your God story. The Bible says that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And when I was praying on how to to lead this bit is that Revelation uh, 19.10 came to me really strongly. At this I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, don't do that. I'm a fellow servant with you and with your brothers and sisters who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for it is the spirit of prophecy who bears the testimony to Jesus. What does that mean to us today? Testimony takes many forms and is as powerful in the church as it's in the coffee shops or in written form. The testimonies are important as they are stories of God's nature. They reveal his heart. They reveal his person. They reveal his, what he values. They reveal his interactions with people, his history with mankind. And every time we share our God story, we actually create an opportunity for that story to be duplicated. When you share your story, you don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to be a scholar. You don't even have to be a, somebody who's comfortable at speaking in front of people, because I'm not. But when we tell our stories, we grow the kingdom. If you can share your story about how once you were dead and then you were brought back to life, where you once were blind and now you see, or you were once an orphan and now you are adopted and you have a family and identity in Christ. When you release your story to the world around you, number one, no one can argue with a changed life. Even though they can argue with facts. Your story has validity and power, and it overcomes the evil one. Secondly, it shows them what's possible in their own life. Don't overthink what it looks like to share and advance the kingdom of God with the world around you. Will you be bold enough and have the courage to share your story? The world needs the story of God through you. And the first one to share today, this morning, is Luca Barry. Come on, Luca. And, and he's self-confessed that he is petrified of talking to people and doing testimony. Uh, yeah, so I'm Luca. Hello. Uh, yeah, I was thinking for ages what I'm going to say. Uh, I've got one thing. Uh, so back in December, uh, so I went to Pitlocker High School, I'm now at Bredalbin. So back in December, I was really not enjoying like 
the boys I was hanging about with, like the way I was acting around them, uh, and just like I was really praying for a change. And for quite a few months, I was praying for a change in who who I was with. Uh, and now I'm at Bradalbin, uh, and I really feel like there's been a huge change uh, in the people I'm with and how I'm acting towards people and how people are treating me, and it's so much better. Uh, and uh, I've got great friends. Uh, and that's all I've got to say, but that's... <laughs> the, um, I've worked predominantly only with youth since I came to faith, and Luke has been one of the, the youth that's been there since I found Jesus and Jesus found me. And the one thing in the last kind of year or two I've seen is that a lot more young people are coming into the churches. A lot more young people are bringing their parents to church. So is that something you've seen at school or uh, RCS, that young people are actually asking you, why do you believe in God? No, yeah, definitely. I think that's also with, like, now that I'm older, I feel like people are doing that more, uh, just as they're getting, not wiser, well, maybe a bit wiser. And there's been a few times at parties where I've just been like sitting with people and it's like the weirdest thing and they're just asking me a ton of questions, uh, which has been weird, but you know, good. That's happened quite a few times, yeah. And that's the reason that I felt that it was really important for, for the, some of the young people here to hear Lucas' short testimony, <laughs> is that it's okay to be a Christian in your school. It's, it's good. Don't hide it. And if you have questions, if you're not a Christian young person yet and you're seeking, then talk to Luca. There's many young leaders here you can talk to. So grab them, talk to them, ask them for a coffee, whatever. Talk to them at school. Okay, mm -hmm. thanks, Luca. Thank and the second testimony is from Julie. And, and I used to work with Julie before I became a Christian. So I have a little bit in my testimony when I, about Julie when she says, oh, come on, Julie. time I was asked to share was a couple of years ago on this on this subject actually and like you this is not my comfort zone so I'm going to look around the room and believe you all to be family brothers sisters aunties grannies um, and that's how I have to do it so the time is 10 past 11 I've checked the time that's first thing to do so I've done that um, the first time I came into this church, we were coming up here, already planted in a church in Perth. We were coming up here looking for a church for a friend. And I feel I just need to share this very quickly. And on the way up in the car, we were wanting to make sure that the Lord made sure this was a good fit for them. And that this would be a place of, of ministry for them. And it would be spirit filled and a place that they would feel loved. Because they'd had a really awful time. And we've all known sometimes Christians don't always act right and they've been a wee bit hurt. So they weren't in fellowship. So we're driving up the road and I said to my husband, Bruce, out loud, um, right, let's pray. 
So out loud I said, Lord, give us a sign and let it be a sign that we know that you're at work in this church. It's a spirit-filled church. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. And as you do, you kind of forget the power of that wonderful prayer in the moment. So we drive up, we get parked, we come in. And we're a wee bit late, as is sometimes the case, because we're coming up from McClure. Is my excuse. I could leave a bit earlier, but sometimes things get in the way. So we parked the car. We got in. There wasn't a great deal of seats to hide at the back, which is my preference. <laughs> I'm with you. Back row's the best. You can escape and no one will talk to you at the beginning. It's great. Um, gradually, the Lord brings you up a few rows. So this time, I was projected right onto the seat behind you. Uh, so the second row, and I was a bit, you know, like eyes down, and we'll just see how this goes. And I looked up, and what I saw was an absolute miracle. I cannot convey it. If I get emotional, it's because it was the most incredible thing I'd ever seen in my life. And I, it, it came out my mouth. Sometimes I can be a bit spontaneous, and I, I pointed even. It was a bit rude. And I went, my goodness. In fact, I don't even think I said my goodness. I just said, that's auto. And the man sitting in your chair turned around to me and went, do you know auto? Not that version. <laughs> now, I hadn't seen auto for about two or three years, if I remember rightly. Maybe not as long, but I certainly hadn't seen him for a long time. I worked with him. I was in the motor trade. I was, it was all about money and sales, but I was a born-again Christian. And I'd come back into the trade going, I'm not sure how this will work, because now I am where I am. Anyway, I witnessed, I prayed for him. He was hard work, a bit grumpy. I would try and God would tell me to bring round the car so it was ready for his handover if he was under pressure. I would bring round the car. He'd be like, who brought round the car? Praise God. Prayer works. You know, you don't always see the impact of your prayers. And you're just a wee drop of water along the way. And sometimes you get the privilege of seeing a transformed, an absolutely transformed life. Anyway, God had other plans and we ended up being planted here. So let's get to my story and we'll move on. But praise God um, for Otto. Um, I've been asked to share and I'm aware of the time, so basically, a couple of years ago, before COVID, so a few years ago, I was working as a carer, having got out the motor trade and feeling called into doing something a bit more substantial and God-led. So I was a carer in Dunkeld, working away, and um, my sales, um, sorry, not my sales manager, we're out the motor trade, Julie, my care home manager was looking for someone to cover housekeeping. I wasn't a great person in coming forward for roles such as that. I have to be honest. That isn't what I wanted to do. Sorry, I'm going really fast. Um, so I was aware that she was looking for people for housekeeping. She was putting out a general call. I didn't want to do it. I had someone help me with a self-catering accommodation I have. So I was kind of like, really, not for me. Next day there was an issue being raised within the housekeeping team. They desperately needed support. I could hear the need and I felt convicted. I might add only for about five seconds. I then justified to the Lord that I don't like cleaning and you know, there'll be someone else that will be quite happy for the wage. Anyway, a couple of days there wasn't, <laughs> they were struggling. So I said, right, okay, I'll go over, I'll offer. 
So I went over and um, I said to the girls, look, I'm aware that you're struggling to find someone for, for housekeeping. My intention was to say, I will help you this Saturday. Has anyone ever experienced God come through you and say something completely different than what you went over to say? Well, this happened to me. It's never happened since, thankfully. But I went over and I said, I will help you every Saturday until you find a replacement housekeeper. And I was so shocked. And in my head going, that is not actually what we agreed. You've gone too far. They were like, oh my goodness, that's amazing, thank you. And I'm like, no problem, as I walk away going, really, really? So I fell into that role. I was a reluctant cleaner, and I wasn't really very willing, if I'm honest. And let's go forward a wee bit. Um, I started going into the rooms, and not in a care role, so I don't have my pager, and it's not so manic, because I can talk to people, and they're up. Because the housekeepers start a bit later, so most people are up. And those who are a wee bit more lonely, less inclined to get involved with others, were sitting in their rooms. And I had an opportunity to have a blazer, and I like a blazer. Hence, he's watching the clock, as am I. Um, so I had a lovely time meeting people, and suddenly I was able to care and connect with people. And that's why I went into care. But as a carer, I didn't have time. None of them have time. We're on pagers, we're being buzzed, there's an emergency. You're assessing the level of risk at all times. Can I leave this person? They're in the shower. Let me, I'll let that buzz again. It could be a falls risk. It's full on. Then what happened was COVID hit. Literally a matter of weeks later, I'd been doing my housekeeping role, actually quite enjoying it, going in, I'm on housekeeping today. I can talk to people and I can clean their rooms and I can serve in a different capacity. And when COVID hit, everyone was put in their rooms. Our care home manager was on it. A lot of care homes didn't do this, but she did very quickly, very good at her job. She realized the risk and she put everyone in their rooms to, to protect them. And she was strong on the PPE. And we were very, very fortunate, blessed, that none of our residents in the whole period of COVID got COVID during lockdown. And that's a miracle. In the meantime, couple of weeks in, she comes back to me and says, you'll be delighted to know I've found a housekeeper. And I was like, oh. <laughs> and she said, you're fickle. I thought you didn't like cleaning. I went, well, I don't. But it's been wonderful. And I was able to convey to her what I'd been doing. And I was a wee bit brave. I said, look, you know me and you know I wouldn't force my faith on anyone. I was, I was a non-believer for a long time. And I had a very reckless, wild, wild life. Um, I was lost. I was broken. I was an absolute shambles. But God, thankfully, had mercy on me and called me out. Um, so I speak to people from where I'm at. And I love them where they're at. And that's what God calls me to do. And although I was cleaning their rooms, it wasn't my job to tidy them up and literally <laughs> spray them you know, act like the sort of cleaner of their spirit. That's God's job. So in my process, I was able to love them, but I shared something with, them, with the manager. I said, there's even been times where people have been crying for their loved ones who are out there with COVID. People are losing loved ones. They're stuck in here and they can't see them. They can't hold them. They're frightened. 
And please know I wouldn't do this without discernment, but I've even prayed for some. Initially, I was a bit nervous. I would ask for their sister's name and go away and pray because I'm not a pastor and I don't have a doctrine and I don't know theology and I'm lucky because I got in the cat flap, literally. You know when your cat, if you have a cat, does it ever have a mad half hour? My cat comes flying in the cat flap at 100 miles an hour upstairs. And I think, what are you running away for? Or from? That was me. When I got into the kingdom, I was like, whoosh! And I was so aware from what I'd been saved from. Um, so I'm not equipped. I don't know scriptures off by heart. My husband has got a far better gifting for that than me. Hence the Lord gave me him. But the moral of the story here is I wasn't willing. Um, she came back to me and said, did you document any of these interactions? And I said, oh gosh, that was the last thing I was thinking of. Because as a care home manager to obviously present what you've been doing to the care inspector, I'm a bit longer than him, I'll wrap up. Um, basically, that's what they're looking for. She came back, she said, Julie, I've spoken to the manager about what you've been doing. And I thought, oh gosh, I'm gonna get the sack. Genuinely, I was a bit nervous. We would like to ask you if you would come in in this sort of pastoral role every Saturday and we will pay you your normal care rate. Um, God prepared that for those individuals. I was there for such a time as this. I didn't feel equipped. I was called out of my comfort zone. But believe me, it wasn't until I was willing to yield and clean <laughs> the toilets that he opened up this, and now it's a ministry. It's his ministry, and any one of you could play a part. And so what he's asking me now to do, believe it or not, is contact the local MP, get them to recognize that in care homes, we need a pastoral worker, because there isn't any. You know, you have it in a football team, you have it in schools, you have it everywhere. They don't even know what it is. They call it pastoral. What is a pastoral? And I try and say, well, it's just someone that's got time. You don't have to have, you know, a strong faith like me. You need to give people time, love them where they're at, and encourage them. Be a friend. So contact the local MP, care inspectorate, make this a role, but what we need is volunteers. And that's, this is like the first practice, I guess, of that. I have to go into community churches, try and raise up some people. Have you got an hour a week? I'll help you. I'll introduce you to the person. I'll match you with someone I think you've got something in common with. I'll do a wee bit of groundwork. And then I'll just let you be a friend to them. And you come in once, once a week for an hour. And that would need to be PVG checked through a care home, etc. But if you feel that that could be something you could do, we've all got it in us to be a friend. And we're actually called to love our neighbour. Just to put the pressure on a little. Um, so listen, thank you. There's so much more I could say on this. But thank you for your time. And to be continued. <laughs> Uh, thanks, Julie. Uh, I think there's so much power in that testimony. Um, it shows you that when you're in the kingdom with a servant's heart, you go to places with a servant's heart, you, God will take care of you and take you to new places and use you for the kingdom like he's used Julie in the care homes. Um, now it's time for uh, my um, God story. I'll, I have two parts to it. It's the, the how I came to faith uh, and how God used my testimony to broadcast it to the world. 
so what's my card story? In July 2018, I was an atheist. And I was sitting, Eric, stand up. I was sitting in that seat. You can sit down. Um, and I was wishing every minute away. So you might ask, why was an atheist from Finland in a church in Scotland? It's because my boys, three of them there, um, they attended uh, Pitlochry Baptist Church summer camp. And at the end of that camp, there was a family service. And it was, there was a big set here of some kind of mad scientist machine. And the, the youth pastor, Ken and um, Dylan, uh, Lucas' older brother, were standing here with white lab coats on. I was like, what's going on here? So I was like, I had an escape route planned from that seat. <laughs> And I was like, I'm not going to let any of those happy clappers talk to me. <laughs> but I came to this church out of my own free will. Yes, the message came through my, my voice, but it was something I really didn't want to do. And when I was um, writing for this uh, testimonial, um, there's a painting by um, William Holman Hunt which reminds me of that moment. The painting called The Light of the World. I now know that I was meant to work, walk into this church out of my own free will on that Sunday. And that God had been patiently waiting for me to open that door and that I had been seeking for that truth all my life without knowing what that truth was. So in Revelation 3.20, and what was the, the motivation for this painting? In Revelation 3.20, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. That happened to me on that Sunday in that seat. I couldn't tell you what happened in that service, but all I knew, I met Jesus Christ. And in that moment, he washed away my sinful past, the past that Julie mentioned. I was a perfectionist. I would take no prisoners. I would steamroll over anybody for my career. And he took my hatred and my lust for material things, my foul language and my anger, of which my boys used to call code red at home when I used to lose it. There was no long, slow burden for me to come to faith. There was no one person who could come and convince me that God was real. I would have never accepted Jesus to be my savior without meeting him here on that Sunday. Ever since I've journeyed as a disciple of Jesus, and on that journey I've witnessed many aspects of the kingdom and what it means to be a Christian, I will share with you a small story of the power of testimony 
and how it grows the kingdom. On a sunny day in August 2019, Olivia, Steve, and I got baptized at Lady Stell. And by chance, or maybe not, an American Christian news crew happened to have a layover in Bidlockery. And they came to this church door and saw a poster stating, this Sunday service is taking place at Lady's Dell. And so they took their cameras and drones and headed to see if they could film the baptism. And so they did. They filmed all three baptisms and interviewed those involved. Now I will play a tiny clip of that, what was broadcast in uh, America. Can you stricker it or? Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the response. And what you're about to watch here today really is the heart of the Christian belief. It's a transformation from one life to another life. It's a birth that takes place. It's a really wonderful segment of that, Edward, that we're about to share. Anything before we introduce this? If you're watching this and you are not saved, okay, pay attention to Otto. Pay attention to Pastor Otto was an atheist. He's one of the men being baptized. He will tell you why you should rethink that decision. Except Jesus Christ is the one to say. All right, this is our final. Um, so the reason I played that is not to that you think that you have to listen to me now because they told you so. <laughs> is that there was no plan from these people to come to Bitlockery and film the baptism, not, none whatsoever. But when they came, God directed us, them to us. And if you want to watch that video, you just Google Bitlockery Highland Baptism and you'll find it. That video was played over a hundred thousand times and ever since I've received many testimonies across the world to say how mine, Olivia's and Steve's, testimonies on that piece brought them to Christ. So that's my challenge to you today, is that I'm not super comfortable standing here and sharing my story but I challenge you to share your God stories. These stories take many forms, like this book called The Baptism of Fire by Frank Collins. This book was, it's been handed over many, many times, but this book was given to me by a non-Christian friend of mine who's been struggling in his job, and he read it, and testified that he's not even considered Jesus to be real before he read this book. So whatever form your testimony will take, there's no wrong or right. There's no wrong or right place. You might do it in church in front of 100 people. You might do it to one person in a coffee shop. But all I ask is when you have that opportunity to share those God stories, share them. And I've challenged myself to speak about my journey, and I've done it in my workplace. I've done it to people who I don't know. And I've seen it work to grow the kingdom. So you don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to be a scholar. You don't have to be a public speaker. Just do it.
So the last person testifying today, it was supposed to be Elaine Brown, but Elaine's taken unwell overnight. <clears throat> so any prayers for Elaine would be much appreciated. But the last person is going to be John Greenshields. Um, and John has written many books to help those who are disciples of Jesus. And I've been going through this book with the group of men that we meet on Tuesday morning. So, John. Thank you very much, Otto. Uh, Rosemary and I just came back yesterday from the Lake District where we'd been for a week. And incidentally, we met with Nev and Val Wallace, who are former members here, and they send their love and their warm greetings to everyone uh, here in Pitlochry Baptist Church. Um, Otto asked me to speak a little bit about what led me to write three books that I've written. Um, the Rising Sun, which was an Advent guide for people who wanted to know a bit more about Jesus and Advent. And it's 30 days that takes you through Luke's Gospel chapters 1 and 2. Uh, the, the second one followed on from that, uh, and it's called Following Jesus, and it's from chapters 3 to 24 of Luke's Gospel. And that's uh, 50 days to cover uh, Luke's Gospel. And the third one is 60 days. It increases each time it goes on. The Unquenchable Fire, which uh, there are still copies of over in the alcove just over there, and I've still got some at home. All of these were written uh, to try and help people to come to know Jesus better and to follow Him faithfully. So all of them are written in a format that engages people with the Bible. And as they engage with the Bible, uh, in groups preferably, they begin to share what they're learning about Jesus. Let me share and read something from Hebrews chapter 1. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he made the universe. God has spoken to us by his Son. And how do we find out what God has said? And the answer is in the Bible. And later on in Hebrews, the writer says, the Word of God is living and active. It's living and active. And that word is the word that's centered on Jesus. Uh, one of the people who helped me through his writings when in my many years as a pastor, I was studying and learning a lot, was the late John Stott. And he preached his final sermon in the Lake District at the Keswick Convention. And he said, my sum message of all the years I've been writing and preaching is this, God wants us to be more like Jesus. That was the summary of his great ministry. God wants us to be more like Jesus. 
How do we become like Jesus? How do we learn about Jesus? The answer is through the Scriptures primarily. And as we read the Bible, we meet with Jesus. One of the things I wanted to share today was um, during the time I was a pastor, one of the most fruitful periods in uh, that ministry was when in uh, Bridge of Dawn, we agreed as a church to read through the whole Bible one chapter a day. It takes about three and a half years to do that, incidentally. One chapter a day, together as a congregation. And we also had a wee team who were writing simple notes to help people. So for three and a half years, we committed that the team who were preparing this under my leadership and the, the church together, we read the Bible, we studied it, we explored it. In our house groups, we linked into it. The sermons every Sunday were connected to it. And it became one of the most fruitful periods in my own ministry and in the life of the church in the time that we were in Bridge of Dawn. It was a time where we were soaking in the Scriptures, where we were discovering that the Word of God is living and active, where we were experiencing that for ourselves, and we were sharing week by week what God was saying to us and how that was impacting our lives and changing us. Because through the Scriptures, through the written Word, we meet the living Word, the Lord Jesus Christ. God speaks to us through Him, and He leads us on through Him to experience all the life and the power that He has for us as His people, to transform us like we've been hearing about with Otto and Julie and Luca, to change us and to shape us and to make us a people who have hope to offer to the world. So that's why after retiring and thinking I can put my feet up now, <laughs> there's no such thing. You go on following Jesus. He didn't say, follow me as long as you're still working, but he said, follow me, keep following me. And that's why I decided to write some of these booklets to try and help people to engage with the Scriptures and to meet with Jesus. And if you're interested, this one is available on Kindle, Amazon Kindle. This one, there are copies available through Amazon Direct Kindle. It's not on Kindle as yet, but it will be soon, I hope. I'm afraid this one is out of print, but uh, I'm thinking about maybe doing a slight rerun of it for folks who would like to, to get it. Uh, and there are copies of the blue one still over in the alcove. To be like Jesus and to be made like Jesus. Pray for this Friday, incidentally. David mentioned it earlier. The last summer special, a school concert. Pitlochry School Choir are coming here for a concert. Then we're going through to the Athol Center for our tea. And then there'll be an interview with Ian Walker, one of our members here. Part of our aim is that with different age groups in our community, we would see people engage with the Word, and meet with Jesus. Thank you.